TGIM Team RE. This is episode 354. But as you grow in your recovery, mm-hmm. you, you start getting a few more tools in your bag and figuring out different ways to make life enjoyable and having fun and surrounding yourself with people that are healthy for you. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator Podcast. My name is Odette Kressler. Thank you so much for joining us. On today's show, we've got Cordell. Cordell took his last drink on December 6, 2017. He is 39 years old, and he is from North Dakota. Great to be back today for an intro team. And let's work on finding your better you. Paul filled me in and he let me know that he's been sharing some advice on how to stay sober during the holidays. So I figured I could chip into this RE holiday survival kit with a few tips of my own. So here we go. Number one is have a fun escape plan. The holidays tend to be full of commitments. Perhaps you have won too many happy hours involving a secret Santa or a family that loves to party. These events are sometimes hard for us especially if several of them are happening in the same month. I love the idea of leaving a party early. It works for me. I've added a layer to this though. Leave the party early and have a fun plan waiting for you at home. Maybe a late night pizza or a movie that you plan on watching when you get home. Have something to look forward to. This works for me and helps me reduce the amount of resentment buildup that can occur when I'm the one that leaves the party while everyone is, quote unquote, still having a lot of fun. Number two, offer to do the dishes. You'd be surprised at how well this works. Everyone is done with dinner and more drinks are being poured. This is when you may start noticing some people getting tipsy and you start feeling a little awkward because you're the only one that is sober in the room. So get up. Get up and start doing the dishes. It gets you out of the dynamic of just hanging around the table drinking and propels you into helping others and moving your body. Number three, dig into your arsenal of whys. Not sure what I mean by this? Check out episode 329 for reference. Remind yourself of why you want to stay alcohol-free during the holidays. Read this list or write up a new one before heading to an event. It's important to remind ourselves often of why we are choosing to protect our sobriety. Oftentimes, what we truly want is robbed from us when we drink. We just need to remember that. Let me know if you try any of these. I'm in it with you and I believe in us. If this is your first year doing a sober December, don't forget that this is an opportunity for so many new things to happen. Stay open and stay curious. Okay. I know Paul said, give them three tips to stay sober during the holidays, but I have a few more words on this topic, especially since I won't be doing another intro until after the holidays. So I'm just going to continue eating my bag of spicy chili mango and sharing with you some other sober holiday thoughts. Sounds good? I think something that isn't necessarily a tip, but that has helped me tremendously during the holidays is to communicate effectively with those around me. I'm still working on this, And sometimes it's our close family and friends who we struggle communicating with the most. Say you leave a party early since it's what's best for you, but then your mom gets bummed that you didn't stay for dessert. Those situations are tough, especially if you're a people pleaser in recovery like me. 
I found that having conversations prior to an event can really alleviate this emotional stress. Hey mom, I'm so excited for the cookie exchange party you are hosting. I'll be there, so let me know what I can bring. Also, I'm planning on leaving at around 9 p.m. I'm working hard on staying sober this season and this is what's best for me. Not ready to tell the folks you're sober yet? It's okay. You can still set the boundary while leaving sobriety out of it. Maybe share that you have important plans in the morning or that you have another commitment. You can even say that you're tired or feeling depleted from a lot going on this season. Being tired and taking time to recharge is something we shouldn't shy away from, but respect each other for doing. All right, I think eso es todo. Wait, wait, before I go, I have one more tip. If you want to stay alcohol-free during the holidays, get a puppy. Here at the Kressler Casa, we just got a new puppy a couple of weeks ago. Her name is Dua, she's a border collie, and she loves taking naps next to my running shoes. If people are upset that you're leaving a party early, blame the puppy. You have to go home and take the puppy out, right? Just trying to be funny, but kind of works. You'll have to check out the photo of Dua that I posted on the RE Instagram a couple weeks ago so you can see her. She is super cute and we are loving her. In all seriousness, happy holidays, team. I'm thinking about you all and sending you huge hugs all the way from San Diego. All right, let's move on to the interview now. And before we hear from Cordell, let's hear from our sponsor, Exact Nature. Exact Nature's safe and healthy CBD-based products are formulated to help you with the challenges of quitting drinking, such as addictive cravings, depression, anxiety, and lack of sleep. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to exactnature.com and use the promo code RE20 to receive a 20% discount on your order. That is RE20 at exactnature.com. Thank you, Odette and Recovery Elevator. Please help me welcome Cordell. Cordell, how the heck are you? Oh, I'm doing really good today, Chris. How are you? Not too bad. It's a nice, breezy, freaking North Dakota morning. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm hanging in there. Uh, Recovery Elevator, this one's a little different for me. It's my first time uh, doing a face-to-face. Cordell's been kind enough to join me in my office. So we'll see how this goes. A little different than other ones, but it's going to be good. Before we get into it, Cordell, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what you do for a living, age, uh, family, and most importantly, what do you like to do for fun? Well, my name's Cordell. I'm from Beulah, North Dakota. I work in a coal mine, 38 years old. I have a wife and three kids. And as far as what I do in my free time, I guess uh, I spend a lot of time chasing kids. Uh, I, I coach girls softball and I coach boys wrestling. So aside from work and shift work and family life, that is pretty much what consumes my life's time. Yeah, kids got a way of, if we think, it's like, oh, I got some days off. It's, no, you don't. Yeah, yeah, no, there's really never a day off around my house. It's uh, If I get two hours at home a day, I feel like I accomplished something. <laughs> I know that feeling. Awesome, man. And how long have you been sober, Cordell? So December 6th will be four years for me. My, my sobriety date is no uh, d- December 6th, excuse me, December 6th of 2017. Right now, I'm just short of four years. That's awesome. How do you feel about it? I feel great. You know, it's the best choice I've ever made. Substantially made my life 100% better. My, my kids don't hate me every day. Yeah, <laughs> right. It, we'll get into that, too. That's awesome, man. Nice job. Congratulations. Thank you. 
An early congrats on four years. All right, man. Let's uh, let's do what we came here to do. Why don't you give the listeners a little bit of your past? Let's talk about how you how you were introduced to alcohol and and other things, and kind of what brought you to to where you are today. All right. Well, so my my story starts out a lot like uh, small town living story. You know, I was brought up with a, a Christian family, lots of family gatherings. So as you can imagine, you know, at family gatherings brings a lot of alcohol, you know. So as, as a young boy running around the living room and there'd be a beer sitting there Well, you run by and you're thirsty, so you take a drink, you know, and it was just never really a big deal. And as I got older, you know, maybe freshman in high school, you know, meeting a few girls, going to a few parties, you know, just the, the gatherings in North Dakota, you know. Well, whatever gatherings we were at, I always brought alcohol. And other other people, you know, just uh, seemed to seemed to drink alcohol to have fun. Well, that wasn't the way I was wired, I guess. I, I drank alcohol to, to get drunk, I guess, you <laughs> yeah. know. I, I would say I, I really got introduced to alcohol, like 15, 16-year-old boy, you know. I was, I was really involved in athletics when I was growing up, so it, it wasn't uh, a a huge, huge issue per se when I was in high school. I mean, I knew I was a little bit different than everybody because everybody else is drinking to have fun. I wasn't drinking to have fun, you know. If I, I went out with a mission usually, you yeah. know. But then as I got a little bit older, I decided to go to college. And when I went to college, I, I met a few people, and it just happened that a couple of them people were old enough to buy me alcohol. Instead of every weekend, it started becoming every day, Yeah, you know, and before I knew it, I wasn't going to class because I was either too hungover or I was starting my day off with a beer, you know, therefore, I guess uh, college didn't work out so well for me. I decided to quit my college adventure and start my working career as a welder and I moved down to Wyoming, which... It's kind of like small town living in North Dakota. You know, when we weren't working, we were drinking. When we weren't drinking, we were working. Yeah. And that it, it just kind of consumed my life. So I, I, I trudged along like this for a few years, and then I decided that something needed to change. So I had talked to my parents, and we all agreed that maybe I needed to get some help. Yep. As a 22-year-old, I decided I, I, I was going to go to treatment. I should maybe take a step back here. So as as I was drinking, I got introduced to some other things as well. You know, like, like a lot of our stories, I decided that getting drunk wasn't just enough. You know, I decided that maybe I needed to get high along with it. So, of course, started out early, you know, with with some pot and, and whatnot. And uh, I got introduced to some other things. And... Uh, course it had a spiral effect you know so as a 22 year old i was in a rough spot and i I went and talked to my parents and we decided that maybe i should i should go and try some recovery yeah so i did and i I went through a 30-day uh intense outpatient and went to some aftercare and i was i was i was going real good and just short of a year i decided that you know what i think maybe i have this under control and you got her uh, licked. Yeah, yeah. It's not a big deal, you know. I, I I got the tools in my bag now that 
I I can control it. Yeah. You know. Were you like during that year? Were you were you doing anything? Like, were you active in your recovery? I was. I was going. I was going to two meetings, three meetings a week. I had a sponsor. I was. I was really engaged. And towards the end of it, toward towards the end of my year, when I was coming up on a year, I was or a year, I was feeling really comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I kind of let my guard down a little bit, you know. And I, I, I thought I had it under control. Yeah. Like uh, this, this is a piece of cake, you know. I don't know what everybody complains about this being such a hard thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. Because for me, I mean, I got it. Yeah. I, I got it. I got know? this. I, I got this. I, I can control it. It doesn't control me. Yeah. Those, I think those are famous last words. Right. I don't want to say last words, not be more. A lot of us have thought that over periods of time. Right, right. And so, you know, I I, I decided that, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll go to this party and I'll I'll have a beer or two. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll just keep it at that. You know, if I, if I can have a beer or two, things are going to be okay for me. Yeah. Did like you're going to prove to yourself that it's it's not the issue that it that it once was. You've, you've right. picked up what you need to to be able to to be uh, quote unquote normal. Right. Recovery taught me how to not be an alcoholic. It taught me how to drink responsibly, mm-hmm. and not not let it control me. Yeah. How well, did, how did it go? Well, so we all know as an alcoholic, we have no control. Yeah. <laughs> it controls us. So it didn't go very well for me. Was it like right away or did it, it take It wasn't time? right away, I wouldn't say. So I, I controlled it semi-responsibly for a short period of time. I, I can't exactly tell you how long. or yeah. It wasn't long. We'll say that. Before I knew it, I was in the bars every night. I was spending my whole paycheck in the bar. Just enough to make rent, pay mm-hmm. bills. That's That's it. Other than that, all my money went to the bar. So bar owners loved me. Yeah. Yeah. Bar owners and drug dealers, they, they love me. Couldn't pay your rent, but you're helping them with theirs. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Their rent had no problem getting made as long as I was around. <laughs> so get back to it, I guess. I, I was spending a lot of time in the bars and doing a lot of things that alcoholics do, you know, not making it to work. If I was at work, I wasn't worth a crap because I was so sick that mm-hmm. all I was looking for was the end of the day so I could go get get better. You know, yeah. Go go feel better. Yeah, let me know? get right. Right, right. You know, and I think every one of us has probably said in the morning after a good bender that I'm never doing that again. Mm-hmm. And, well, let's be honest. By four thirty in the afternoon, I'm ready again. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm ready for that beer, or whatever your drink of choice is. You know. So this went on for from I, I well so I was just short of a year so it was about twenty three. Okay. And then at 24, I found out that my girlfriend at the time was pregnant. Okay. Well, I wasn't ready to be a dad, yeah. right? And I was still partying. And I, I remember clearly telling her, you know what? You ruined my life. Oh. And I left for a while. And it wasn't a good thing. My drinking and my drug usage just went through the roof. Mm-hmm. And... I went and spent some time on the road working some construction jobs, basically just trying to get away from any kind of responsibility that I might have to have with this new baby on the way. Yeah. So it would have been December of my 24 year, uh, I, I had just turned 25 years old. Okay. It was December and I was pretty much at bottom. I had nowhere to live. Mm hmm. 
I had lost my job. I really didn't have anything in my life other than maybe talking to my parents once every month and a half. Um, I had absolutely no communication with my girlfriend because she ruined my life. Yeah. You know, it <laughs> yeah. wasn't me that ruined my life. It was her. Yeah. How know? dare she? Right. Right. So I, uh, I called my dad and I was in Eastern North Dakota at the time. I had no car. I called my dad and I said, dad, I need, I need a bus ticket. I said, if you can get me a bus ticket from Fargo to Bismarck and then pick me up, maybe things will be all right. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll come home and I'll try to straighten up a little bit. Yeah. So I, I, he, he, he was nice enough to get me a, a bus ticket and picked me up in Bismarck at four o'clock in the morning when the bus came in, brought me home. And, uh, so I, I, I lived at mom and dad's house for a little bit. Um, cause of course I didn't have a job and I had no money. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I lived at mom and dad's house and they kind of set some rules and, uh, you know, as an alcoholic, I'm not really one too keen on following rules. <laughs> yeah. So I pushed the envelope a little bit. You know, I'd do little handyman jobs here and there just to make enough money to go to the bar that night, you yeah. know, and this is kind of the way it went for a little while. Well, so my, my oldest son was born and, uh, I hadn't seen him yet. He was about three months old. Wow. So he was, he was born in September. I came home in December and I had, I hadn't even laid eyes on him yet. So my girlfriend brings her, brings my son over to my mom and dad's house. And I, you know, did the dad thing, you know, um, tried to be the, the best new father I knew how to be, you know, I mean, I could, I couldn't take care of myself, let alone take care of a three month old son, Yeah, you know? So we, we kind of did that for a while and, um, I, I started to clean up my act a little bit, you know, uh, tried to be a little bit more responsible. I, I, I still drank a little bit, but not like it had been, you know, I, I always had an excuse, mm-hmm. you know, oh, I, I just really need to get away. The baby was crying a lot. So I'd go down to the bar and I'd, I'd have a few drinks, you know, and then I'd, I'd, I'd go home. Well, this went on for a little bit like this and like my drug usage had stopped. So, um, I I was just basically functioning as an alcoholic the, the best I could. So then my girlfriend at the time said, Hey, why don't you move in with me? And we're going to raise this kid. Great. We can do that. Yeah. So I got a job. She was working. I was working. Things were pretty good. I was maintaining pretty well as a, a functioning alcoholic, still drinking more than I should have been, but but doing okay, doing okay. So this went on until I suppose I was I was 26, and my girlfriend found out that she was pregnant again. Another baby on the yeah. way. Yeah, uh, you're you're hanging on with one. Yep, I'm hanging on with one, and I'm doing the best I can, trying to trying to keep diapers and formula in the house, and mm-hmm. and take care of myself. You know, which it was a trudge, but we we were making do, just like any young parent. You mm-hmm. know, so this went on. She had she had her second baby. It was a baby girl, and things were pretty good. Bills were getting paid. Had a roof over our house. Both had steady jobs. I was keeping a job, still functioning as an alcoholic, probably drinking more than I should have. Were there any uh, consequences from your drinking, like during that that phase of time when your daughter was born? 
So, yeah, um, obviously it, w- it was causing some fighting issues between me and her. I was in and out of jail for for fighting with her. She'd throw me in jail. I'd go and sober up. I'd come home. Obviously, this went on like that for some time. Yeah, it just was like the norm. It was the norm. Like, she was used to it. I was used to it. The courtroom was used to it. Yeah. Because I was in and out of court quite a few times over that period. Saved you a seat? Yeah, they pretty much saved me a stall. Yeah, yeah. There there was a seat and there was a a bed with my name on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They didn't have to ask my name when I got (laughs) there. We'll just say that. So... As as I was getting older, I, I thought, man, I, I'm more responsible now. I can definitely take care of ter- take care of life, and, mm-hmm. and 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 I've got this licked. Like I can drink like this, and it's not going to be a problem. Yeah. Right? I'll just go in and out of jail, and in and out of court, and come home, pay bills, and go to work. Yeah, and things will be fine. Yeah, the the stuff that we that we assimilate to, I guess, the things that we like looking back, it's like, man, how in the hell did I, did I like, did I think that this was a normal life, that this was acceptable? It's just, I don't know. We get, I think we get comfortable swimming in our own shit. Yeah, you know, like looking back at it now that you know we have a clear mind and and, and things are actually good. Yeah, like that's no way to live, you know. And and the the lies that we tell ourselves just to make it feel like it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's just like. Man, what a shit storm. Yeah. You know. Well, you just said that you like, you know what? Like this is fine. Did you like did you ever have any dreams or or hopes or did you ever think, man, maybe I should. Like maybe I maybe I should slow down. Like I know for me like we, you know, Amy and I were were always in arguments and fights and stuff and and I might have this thought that that I wanted to change, but I like I was just like I, like the idea of not having alcohol scared the shit out of me, so like I didn't entertain those ideas for very long. I mean, did any of that float through your head during those during those times? You know, it it, it did, but it seemed to always float through my head when I had had too much too much alcohol. Yeah. When you, you know, when, when you're sitting when, in when, a consequence, when or, I was sitting in a consequence, or we were fighting, and she was ready to get rid of me, and I I, I would basically tell her this. And tell myself this just to ice over the situation, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, like you'd sit there and cry in your shit that you just created mm-hmm. and, and say that everything's going to be okay. But if knowing fully that you weren't ready to give it up because yeah, it did scare me to, to not have that crutch, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That's to, all we've ever used. That's right. Like, what else could work? Right. Nothing nothing else is going to work. I mean, this is proven to work. I mean, look yeah. how it works for me. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Give me a sixer, I start to feel right, you know. Like- right, right. So anyway, this this went on like this for about another year. Mm-hmm. And not even a year. I shouldn't say that. So my baby daughter was born and it was a real short time after that that she found out that she was pregnant with our third child. You didn't waste no time, Cordell. No, I didn't. I didn't. You know, I'm an attractive man. She, <laughs> I couldn't keep her away from me. <laughs> so, of course, she tells me that she's pregnant. And my first reaction is, I'm going to the bar. I won't be home until closing time. Yeah. She told me at 9 o'clock in the morning. 
Good night, Elias. Yeah, so I, I'm going to the bar, and I'm going to, yeah, yeah, you're not going to see me. You're going to have to pour me into the house, mm-hmm. you know. And, of course, that's what I did, you yeah. know. And so this was not a good situation for any of us. Mm-hmm. She had pretty much come to the conclusion that this is the way life is going to be. Really, to, to be honest, it wasn't fair to her or my kids mm-hmm. or to myself, you yeah. know, because I was miserable. She was miserable. She, we were making everybody around us miserable, but that's the way it was. And I was selfish and I wasn't going to change. So I was at this time still working various odd jobs, you know, working construction here and there, you know, and then I got the phone call that I, I had a job interview at one of the coal mines. Okay. And that was kind of my big plan. Like, this is where I wanted to be. If I get this job, everything's going to be great. Yeah. I'll have no problems anymore. Safety, security, stability. And yep. in our, the community that we live in, that's, this is, that's one of the big industries. And that's it. It's like, it's an opportunity to provide. And right. It, it, it's a career. Yeah. I'm going to retire from this place. I'll have a steady, good paycheck coming in. I'll have health insurance. I'll have mm-hmm. all this stuff. And life will be great. Yeah, everything you've been fighting for is be at your disposal. Right, right. So I go to this job interview, and I'm of course the interview goes great, and I they offer me a job, perfect. So I get home and I'm all excited, you know. Well, the first thing I do when I get excited is I'm gonna go and party because we have good news. Yeah, let's celebrate. Right, let's go celebrate. So me and me and the girlfriend we we go and celebrate, and of course I start I, I start work about two weeks later and. This money starts rolling in, and man, I got money. I can buy my buy my girlfriend a ring now. Mm-hmm. You know, so we decide to get married, get married, and things are great. Life is going on good. I, my my drinking kind of slowed down. Like I, I wasn't in the bar every night. I was kind of limiting it to days off because I had to perform at work. Mm-hmm. You know, and I couldn't perform if I was hungover. So things are good. Well, I have all this extra income coming in i'm thinking to myself well you know i can't drink but i could probably use some drugs yeah yeah so i get hooked up start smoking some pot again yeah you know this would be all right you know i mean they only give me random random drug tests what what's the worst that can happen yeah you know so of course i get hit with a random pee test one day and I, I think my pee probably fell through the bottom of the cup. It was so <laughs> <A little> hot. <laughs> yeah, it, it was pretty hot. I was using every day, you know, and of course they, they got rid of me, you know. No exceptions. You're out. Yeah. Here I am again, back into the trudge of things, trying to find a job, trying to make ends meet, start drinking again. Of course, this happens. I'm deep in it. I'm deep in it. I'm down, going towards downhill slide, you know. Yeah. Did you, when you lost that job, did you... What was your mindset? Like, I I mean, I can't imagine you were excited about it. Did you, were you in a place that you took responsibility for that? Or were you like, were you pissed at them or, or maybe a combination of the both? Well, you know, I think I, I, I maybe kind of took responsibility, but of course I, I pushed it off on, well, if I could have just drank, you know, if, if I wouldn't have to get up at six o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have went back to using drugs. I would have just drank, and then I, I would have been okay. Yeah. You know. So, of course, I tried to push it off on on it. It wasn't my fault. How yeah. was it my fault? A little bit of the situational, like this situation. 
caught like led me to it. Or, right, right, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I did take responsibility because it was me that was using. Yeah. But it was it was their fault because I couldn't drink every day. Yeah. You know, so maybe twenty percent my responsibility, eighty <laughs> percent theirs. Sons of bitches. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this went on for a couple of years. Uh, I. I I started traveling a little bit more. Um, I was working construction, you know, and that was the norm for me. You know, we'd work 12 hour day. We'd drink for eight. We'd sleep for four. We'd work 12. We'd drink for eight. We'd sleep for four. Yeah. And that was the trudge. Well, so I had an opportunity in 2015 to get hired at another coal mine around the same area. Okay. It was the same company, just a different coal mine. They decided to take another gamble on me, yeah. which I was grateful. So in 2015, I get hired on, and things are pretty good. Things are pretty good. I'm drinking a little bit, more than I should probably, mm-hmm. and of course, here I am. I have all this extra money again, right? And I met up with one of my buddies from the past, and... He, he had some drugs one night. Yeah. And he's like, hey, he goes, you, you want some of this? He goes, I know you used to like to use this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I want some of that. If I use that, I'm, I'm cleaned out in three days. Yeah. Yeah. So, heck, I'm on my seven days off. I got I got four extra days. Yeah, let's party, you know? Yeah, we got a system. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. This will work. This will work. I'll just do it on my seven days off, and I can control it. Mm-hmm. So I, I started using some, some harder stuff, and uh, before I knew it, I was calling them every day. Yeah. And life is not good at all. And I'm, I'm drinking. I'm, I'm using my drugs. Yeah. And Did your wife know that you were using? For, for the first year, she did not. And I'll never forget, it was... It was my birthday of 2016. She surprised me. I was at home alone, and we had had a terrible snowstorm, and I had like three feet of snow in my driveway. And so I was out, outside shoveling. Of course, I was using while I was shoveling because it gave me energy. Yeah. <laughs> it gave me lots of energy. Yeah, this will help. I'll get a lot of snow shoveling. And uh, so the wife tried to surprise me. She came home on lunch, and... She had found all my all my drugs and my paraphernalia, and she kind of asked me, you know, like, what's this? Because she'd never used, she didn't know, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, that kind of started the the start to the bottom. Mm-hmm. So she she obviously threw all my stuff away and and thought that I was on the straight and narrow, you know, just drinking a little bit because she was she was pretty okay with the way. My drinking was going at this time because yeah, she, I, I wasn't drinking a whole lot because I was using so much. Yeah. I drink just to wet my whistle, basically. I wouldn't drink to get drunk because I was already high. Yeah. So, so she was all right with it. She thought that things were okay, and so I, I had quit using for about two months. And then one day I was like, you know what? The wife's at work. The kids are at school. I'm gonna get hold of my buddy and I'm I'm gonna go get a little taste. Yeah. So, and that's what I did. I got a hold of my buddy and he gave me a little taste and that's all it took. Back in it? It was back in it worse than it ever was. Worse than it ever was. All my, all my money. I was, I was taking money out of our bank account and lying to her where our money was going. Mm -hmm. 
supposed to be paying her house house payment and telling her that, yeah, I, I paid the house payment and going and buying drugs and going to the bar and gambling and just everything that we do as a, a non-functioning alcoholic. Yeah. Man, I did I had shit like that too, and it just it kills me because it's like what I don't like what like what were you thinking? Like I don't know what the hell I was thinking, but like did you have, like something's gonna come around where I'm I'm gonna get this check written to the mortgage company or what? Like did, did right. you have a plan? Or? Well, I, I, and you know, looking back at it, like at the time, I I just think I didn't care. Yeah. Like what what are they gonna do? Are they really gonna kick me out of my house? You know, will will they really take my house away from me? I, I have three kids. It's the middle of it's the middle of the winter. They're, they're not going to take my house. Mm-hmm. From, well, yeah, let's be honest. They they'll take your house from you. Yeah. Right. And you know, looking back at it, it's like, man, what an idiot. You yeah. know, just and it's it's the disease in us. You know, once once you start, you just can't stop. Yeah. You know, and, and nothing matters except for that next high or that next drunk. Yeah. You know, so this went on until October of the following year. So she, she found out in November of 16. Okay. And I, I snuck it around until October of 17. Okay. So it, it actually happened to be the day before our, our anniversary. My wife just says, okay, I've, I've had enough. She goes, you're not fooling anybody. She goes, I know you're using. I know you're drinking too much. She goes, you're out. Get out. Oh. So she kicked me out. Well, of course, that was just an excuse. Well, now I don't have a babysitter. Yeah. I, I, I don't have a babysitter. I don't really have anything to lose. No accountability. Right. Yeah. I, I really don't want to work this job for myself. I'll just go back out on the road. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm working this job so I can raise a family and provide for them. If all I have to do is provide for myself. I can do that no problem. Mm-hmm. So I ended up moving in with somebody that I shouldn't have moved in with because he was just as bad off as I was. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we were just fueling each other's fire, you know. Hey, I got this. Hey, let's go here. Hey, you know, just running around like a bunch of irresponsible nine-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> you know. was this? You said it was October of 17? Yep, it was October of 17. Okay. So yeah. So this, th- you got th- a short road. Yeah, th- this is leading up to... Uh, to the bottom of the barrel here, okay. you know. So uh, I, I I had been m- taking vacation away from work, and you know, because I was either too messed up to go to work, or I just didn't want to because then I couldn't get high and drink all day. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't want to be responsible. I just wanted to get I just wanted to get fucked up, you yeah. know. So from October until I would say the third week of November, this is going on, and I'm I'm losing weight real bad. I'm not eating. I'm, I'm drinking really heavy. And so I decided, heck with it. I'm going to move back into my parents' house because they, they're my babysitter. Yeah. Right. Right now they're my babysitter. So I'll, I'll just move back in with them and they'll take care of me. So at, at this point, mom and dad had pretty much given up on me. Mm-hmm. You know, there was, there was really nothing that they could do because I was lying to them, I was stealing from them, you know, any extra cash that they had laying around, well, that was going to my pocket, going to my drug dealer to the next 12-pack, you know? Yeah. So I was I was sitting in my mom and dad's basement one night, and I'm like, you know what? This is it. I'm just going to take care of it, and it's going to be over with. Yeah. So I decided to grab my pistol. I I, I remember distinctly sitting in my, my parents' basement and uh, thinking, how, how am I going to do this without without – shocking my parents forever Mm -hmm. you know 
And I was like, piss on it, it doesn't really matter. So I put a, I put a shell in the chamber and I pulled the trigger and the bullet didn't go off. I still have this bu- the bullet to this day. The wow. prim- primer's dented and the bullet didn't go off. Holy shit, man. Yeah. So I looked at that as maybe another chance in life. Yeah. So I called my wife who had kicked me out, really hadn't talked to me other than my daughter, my, my kids hadn't talked to me. Um, wanted nothing to do with me. Probably wouldn't have even flinched an eye if dad wasn't wasn't around anymore. Yeah. You know, or that's the way I thought. You yeah. know. So I called my wife and I said, "Hey, I need help. I, I I'm ready." And she says, "You're ready." She goes, "What do you want me to do?" I said, "If you could call some places and get me set up, I think I think I can do this." Yeah. Um, she goes, "Well, why don't you call yourself?" I said, "Because I know myself and I won't call." Yeah. So she started making some phone calls and I talked to work, told them that I needed help. My employer is nice enough to have an EAP program, which is an employee assistance program to where if I go, if if a person or an employee goes off to treatment or needs some mental help or whatever, they honor that. And you'll, as long as you complete your program, you'll have a job when you're done. Yeah. So they wouldn't let me come to work, obviously. So I had a couple of weeks to sit around because every treatment facility in like a three state area was was packed Backed full, yeah. packed full. So I'm thinking to myself, oh yeah, yeah, I have, I have like two and a half, three weeks to just completely go rampant. Yeah, and I did. I mean, it was it was the worst by far that it's ever been. I mean. Aside from putting needles in my arm and anything like that, it was it was as bad as I could get it. Yeah. And uh, it was December 5th, 2017, and my wife called me. She says, you need to pack your bags. She goes, the treatment facility called, and your dad's taking you to Bismarck tomorrow. Finally. Finally, you know? Yeah. And it was... It was was did you feel relieved or were you like disappointed because you cuz i imagine like going on a run i mean that's got to be tough to come off of yeah well, you know i i was super nervous but it was like an elephant got pulled off my chest yeah like the relief of finally maybe 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 i'll have a chance yeah you know so my dad dad obviously took me down to uh bismarck the next morning well i had had some drugs with me so I told him, I said, hey, I said, I, I, I'm going to get high before I go in there. And, of course, he didn't argue because if he'd argued, I'd have probably jumped out of the car. Yeah. You know, this is my last this is my last one right here, you mm-hmm. know. Like, I, I'm going to give this an honest shot. And so I did. Dad dropped me off. They checked me in, and I went to bed. I, I went to bed yeah. for, for, like, three days. <laughs> <laughs> so... My journey started there. I was in a 30-day intensive inpatient. The counselors wouldn't come around me for three, four days because they were scared shitless of me. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I'm pretty good friends with one of my counselors to this day, and he, he tells me every day, he goes, man, he goes, I thought you were the guy that was going to come in and shoot the place up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From there, I, I, uh, I went through my 30 days of inpatient and actually... I stayed a few days longer because we had uh, a couple of events that they had really 
thought that I would benefit from. So they, they pulled some strings and let me stay in the, in the unit a little bit longer. Okay. Um, and here I am, here I am. <laughs> That's awesome, man. You know, and it's a, a funny story. Like we live, I mean, Cordell grew up here. I've lived here for, we lived here 12 years now, but when I was in aftercare, I don't know if you remember that we were walking yeah. through the halls and it's like, man, this guy looks familiar. Like I've seen this guy in our treatment. We both went to the same treatment place down in Bismarck and it's like, and I think it was you that said, Hey, like you're this kid's dad. Right. And I'm like, who in the hell are you? <laughs> and like, you know, since then, you know, we've become friends, our wives and our kids are friends and, uh, yeah, I'm glad that, I'm glad that we ran across each other. So we, like we, there's a lot of parallels to our story. Yeah. Yeah. There, there really is. I mean, uh, as far as the family thing and and our our story is pretty similar, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, yeah. I I remember walking through and and being like, "Hey, I know that kid." Like, there there's too not not too many kids that look like him and are like six five. So good looking. So yeah, right? yeah, so, yeah. Good looking, handsome yeah, fella. You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. So like the the first couple of days of of recovery were hell. Yeah. You know, I mean the the withdrawals and the just the mind stuff, you know. Just the uncertainty of how everything's going to go and yeah. what's life going to be like without without this. You know, if I don't have alcohol and drugs in my life, my life's not complete. I had always had the illusion that you can't have fun if you're not using or drinking, yeah. you know, because I didn't know anything else. But as you grow in your recovery, mm-hmm you start getting a few more tools in your bag and figuring out different ways to make life enjoyable and having fun and surrounding yourself with people that are healthy for you. Well, let's talk about like recovery life. Cause you, you said, you know, like when you reached out and, and told your wife that you wanted help, you said that you didn't really have a relationship with your kids and, and, you know, and, and I see you around now, like our kids were in our, our boys were in soccer together this fall. Like I know, like I know that you're around, that you're that you're there for your kids. I know some of this, you know, a small portion of like what you do for your family now. So how did that, like coming out of treatment? How did that? What did that restoration look like? What did? What okay. was the work that you had to do? And 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 what's been the payoff? Like what's the reward? What's it? What are things like now? Well, so when when I got out of treatment, of course I. I, I, I told my wife like, okay, I did, I did my part, you know? So now you can let me back in the house. Right. And yeah. she, she looked at me like, yeah, right, dude, you're, you're fucking crazy. You know? <laughs> so I, I went to live with my parents. I, I went back to work. I was doing, I was doing meetings all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I didn't know anything else, you know, and that, that that's what I, I was told to do. Yeah. You know, that was one of the tools in my tool bag was go to a meeting, talk about it. You know, and, and, and get to know some of the people that are in recovery. So if you have problems, you can talk about it, mm-hmm. you know? So as the first couple of weeks to a month, you know, uh, I was really impatient and like getting pissy with my ex-wife or my wife, you know, she hadn't divorced me yet. Papers were drawn up and, yeah. you know, she hadn't given them to me, but <laughs> they were there, yeah. you know, they were there. So I'm, I'm trying to prove myself to her. Like I'm better, I'm better, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, it took some time, you know, it took, it, it took, it took some time for me to get her to start to trust me Yeah. and it took 
more time for my kids, yeah. you know, he- healing some of the wounds that I had opened up there yeah. because I-, I was not a very nice dad, you know. So I, I would say this went on for about six months, about six months. And she would let me come down to the house and we would have a supper and, and then she would take me home or back to my mom and dad's. Yeah. Um, she, she wasn't quite ready for, to, to make that next step and actually, you know, let me stay at the house or, yeah. you know, uh, there was a lot of uncertainty because I had broken her trust. And, and broken the kids, you know. I don't know if she was protecting herself or if she's trying to protect the kids. Or maybe a little bit of both. Uh, probably yeah. a little bit of both. You know, the mom instinct kind of kicked in, and, and and you know, looking back at it, I, I totally understand it now. So then, as she let me move back in, I continued to go to meetings and continued to work on my recovery and tried to heal them wounds that I opened up. You know, and and yeah. it took some time. You know, I'll bet it was a full year before my youngest son would go anywhere alone with me. Really? Because he was so scared of dad because he had seen so many rages and just, just terrible parent, you know, a a terrible, he he was scared of me. Yeah. You know? So what, what was your, what was your motivation? I know. Yeah. Again, again, like we, you know, we've, there's, we, we have a lot of similarities. What, what was it? It's, I think it would be, I think it would be real easy for that, uh, let's just call it rejection, to sink in and just be like, you know, screw it. Like, what's what's the point? Right, right. You know, where did you find that, the drive? I don't like- The what, willpower? Yeah. What, <laughs> what kept you from, from saying, fuck it, if this is all I'm ever going to be, I'm just going to go back out versus like continuing like- to, to rebuild that trust with, with your wife and kids? You know, honestly, I think it was just uh, the little glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel that, hey, you know, maybe at some point life can be normal and she will accept me and my kids will accept me and she'll, we'll, we'll be a happy family, you know? So I think initially was just the fact that I'll have a family again yeah. rather than just being somebody that's kind of around Paying, paying some child support and built, you know, making sure that they're taken care of that way yeah. rather than being a father, Part you of know, it, yeah. a, a live in father that when my kids get older can say, you know what, when I was young, my dad was kind of a shit bag, but <laughs> like my dad's a great dad, yeah. you know? So yeah, I, I think that had a lot to do with it and just the support group around me, you know, like I, I had so many people that were fighting for me between my parents and her parents and her and the kids and just family friends that I know that have kind of gone through the similar yeah. things. You, you know, I mean, you and I went to a lot of meetings together, yeah. you know, we, we were at the same meetings a lot of the time, you know? Yeah. I bet you a lot of those people were probably there before. Do you feel like you leaned into them differently than you had in the past? Well, so there, there's a couple of the, uh, the veterans in the room yeah. that were, we're in the rooms when I was there the first time. Yeah. And when I came back in, you know, they kind of, they get that smile and they yeah. look at you and they're like, I <laughs> thought it, you might see you back. It's here. about damn time that you walk through them doors again, you know? So I, I did lean on them a little bit harder, you know, and, and I, I communicated more with them and I was more involved with my sponsor and, and the big book and, you know, in yeah. actual recovery rather than just just going through the steps yeah. to make people happy, you know? And I was feeling better, yeah. you know? I, I, I felt like I was a better person, 
you know, so that, that drove me as well, you know, to continue to feel good and, and to be able to hold my head up high, yeah. you know, to walk through town and, you know, cause it's a small town. Everybody knows everybody's business. Like yeah. it was no secret what I was or what I was becoming before I went into recovery, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I know people were talking, which at the time bothered me, Yeah, but as I was going through recovery, the way they were talking overshadowed what they had said before. I really didn't care anymore, you know, mm-hmm. because I, I wanted to prove to myself, to my family and to, to the people around me that I'm not that guy anymore. Like, yeah. this, this is who I am now. This is in my past. I'll always be an alcoholic. I'll always be a drug addict, Yeah, but I can be one that's not actively using or, yeah. you know, so for the first two years, I really, really worked. I mean, I, I was at meetings every, like as often as they are around yeah. here, you know, and I was keeping myself engaged that way. Like I said, my support group around home was just phenomenal. And, and like all the people I had associated myself with were really supportive. And then I got into coaching yeah. and, you know, um, one of, one of my f- fellow alcoholics had told me to try to keep yourself a little bit busy, you know, yeah. um, that an idle mind is not good. You know, I, I have absolutely zero idle time now, Yeah, you know, so, <laughs> you um, I, I, I did fix it, you know? So with, within the last four years, I, I went from not being involved in at all mm-hmm. to being a head wrestling coach and assistant girls softball coach and, awesome, and you know, and, and being involved with, pretty much everything that my kids are involved in, you know, I mean, there's obviously there's some things that I don't have time to do that I rely on other people to coach or whatever, you know, but I'm at as much of their events as I can be, you know, just being, I I hate to reference it, but like when I was growing up, my dad never missed anything, Yeah, you know, And, and he was always there for me no matter what, you know, and I try to look at myself and say, you know what? My dad was always there. Why can't you be? Uh, so that that's kind of the way I look at it, and that's how I try to be. I, I try to be there for my kids as much as possible, and you know that's what that's just what keeps me going. You know, yeah. um, I don't I don't get to hit as many meetings as I like now. I go when I can, but I am in contact with my sponsor daily. Yeah. You know, and, and and various other people that are in in the rooms. Um, yeah. So. And I, I think it's okay. Like, I think it's okay that there's a, an evolution in our recovery as long, you know, for me personally, it's as long as I'm continuing to work it and I still have people who are holding me accountable. Like it's, it's normal. Like I, I don't necessarily want the same recovery I had at two weeks as I do at four years. Like it should change. It right. should change a little bit, but as long as a component of that is is accountability and I got people in my life who are going to call me on my bullshit if I, you know, right. cause I, like not to be a downer, but like, it's still out there, you know, it, like the, the option to go back out exists, but as long as I got people keeping me in check on the straight and narrow, if it's, if my service work looks like something with my church, something with my kids versus, you know, pouring coffee. Right. Right. It's, you know, it, it can evolve. And that's not to say that there's anything wrong with a guy who's hitting meetings every day either right know? right yeah everybody has their own way of dealing with it and, and how they need to go through their recovery and i i feel meetings are great if you need to hit a meeting every day that is what you need to do right now that's not where i'm at 
Yeah. Um, you, you know, and, and everybody's built a little bit different, yeah. you know? So I, 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 I just try to look back and if I'm ever having, you know, if I get on my pity pot, yeah. you know, if I get on my pity pot a little bit, you know, before it was always, okay, I need to go, I need to go get drunk mm-hmm. or I need to go get high. You know, I hate to say that it's the last thing I think about now. Yeah. But it's the last thing I think about now. You know, I have other ways to to deal with that now. I have enough tools in my bag yeah. to where, you know, I'll go hit the gym or I'll, I'll go for a run or, heck, I'll, I'll sit down and I'll play play cards with my mom and dad, you know, or me. We'll, we'll go and visit. It, it's just I do different things now rather than that, you know. Yeah, yeah it's, it's for, you know, for today. For today. It's, <laughs> it's, off, it's off the table. It's not, yeah, it's not an option. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, uh, and it, I think it's what's cool is when it it goes from not being an option because I because I can't like oh I, I can't drink I can't drink because there's gonna be all these consequences to like it's not an option because I, I don't I, want to I don't want to right like, look at the not only did recovery like give us our life back but it gave us a life that we want to live like a life worth living yeah not yeah. That, not that bullshit that we had before. Right, yeah, it, it gives us a life where we're not just breathing air and, mm-hmm. and you know, and going to the toilet and taking a piss. Yeah. You know, we're, we're we're actually like living life like the the way life should be yeah. lived. You know, a happy fulfillment life, contributing. Yeah, a, a contributing life. Like you're not a menace to society. You're 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 actually helping out society and making a difference. Maybe mm-hmm. you know. You know, and you mentioned it, Cordell, and I think that's such a, a cool thing. And and you know, like I said, recovery elevator. Like like I know Cordell. Our, we've we've hung out. We've gone out to dinner as as family members. And and as I was talking with my wife about bringing you in, one of the things that that struck me is like we do live like we live in a small town. It's like thirty five hundred people, give or take. And these we can develop reputations. Like I ran I ran into a guy a week and a half ago who. I hadn't seen since I was actively drinking. Yeah. And it was at this, it was at like a little small church group meeting and like (laughs) he walked in and he's like, am I in the right place? What like, (laughs) what are you doing here? Right. And it's like, Hey man, a different dude. Yeah. I'm like same skin suit, but like I'm a different guy. And and I think that's, I just think that that's so cool. I see your involvement with your kids and, and like, not just your kids, but kids in the community and, I think that provide could provide a lot of hope to people. Like if we, like even if we have these reputations, like we're accountable, like we're responsible for for the shit that we've done. But it it is possible to overcome those, you know, like what people think of think of us, right? You know, and right. like not that we should not that we should give a shit what anybody cares, but like yeah, but let's humans. be honest, you you do. Yeah, you know, I mean, ultimately, humans. you do. We are humans, right? Like you try you try to please people, and who who wants anybody to feel like everybody thinks that they're a piece of shit? Yeah, you know, yeah, it, it's it's us as a human person to yeah. to be like that, you know. Yeah, I think I think stay in the course. I think you, I, we're both examples of that by staying the course and just doing like keeping your nose down and doing like the next right thing we can like we can overcome those reputations that that, that we kind of built for not kind of that we yeah. did that we did yeah, that we, yeah did. we built them for ourselves for sure yeah, yeah. i'm trying to <laughs> brush off a little responsibility no that we did but you know we can 
like we can change it too. We can build that positive reputation. And and like you said, when you're talking about your relationship with your kid, like it just takes time. Like it does take time, regardless of what that other person might say or think or do. We, you know, by us continuing to do what we know is right, it's like things are going to work out the way that they're supposed to. Right, right. You know, as as alcoholics and and users and whatnot, you know, we we get good at talking, you know, and, and like lying to ourselves and lying to others and whatever you know and mm-hmm. like my wife always said you know like you can talk all you want she goes show me you know show me so that's kind of where like my everyday grind is like all right i'm i'm, I'm gonna show her like i'm i'm still serious about this yeah. you know and i still have my days don't get me wrong i think we all do as human beings yeah you know but i'm a lot more apt nowadays to say I'm sorry or that I was wrong, mm-hmm. you know, before I was never wrong. No, those yeah. words didn't yeah. exist. No, I was never wrong. You're wrong, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, recovery life versus life before is one million times better, yeah. you know? Um, the opportunities and uh, the things that you get to do with a clear mind is... You can't just, beat it, man. No, you you can't beat it. It's... It's pretty amazing, you know. When, when you walk into the rooms and people talk about it, when you're when you're new and you're just you you think they're blowing smoke up your ass, yeah, you know. But after after a little bit of time, the light bulb will go on. And you'll be like, man, this this is what he was talking about. Yeah, you know that that old guy that's sitting in the corner that doesn't really say much, but sometimes he he says enough, mm-hmm. and you, you grasp something, and you're like, oh. Holy cow, like, that just happened. Yeah. That's but, awesome, man. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you, Cordell. And we are we are to the end, but before we go, we got a couple closing parts that we do on this podcast. Let's do the rapid fire round in 30 to 60 seconds. I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. I always say that I want to get some, like, ominous music to play over this. We'll get there. <laughs> We're going to get there. What was your biggest fear as you were thinking about quitting drinking? That my life would be incomplete, that I would never be happy again. I would always be miserable and never have any friends. Glad that you proved yourself wrong, dude. Right. Uh, What is a positive that you didn't expect in your life without alcohol? That I would be able to pass on some knowledge that I had gained from other individuals to, in a coaching aspect, to individuals hungry to learn what is your plan on sobriety moving forward just take it one day at a time you know hopefully one day i'll I'll be able to get you know a a 25 or a 30 year chip you know just to be a good individual and and to stay sober in my sobriety you know to to keep putting one foot in front of the other i guess yeah i don't i don't really know how to taking it one day at a time you know and, and just continuing to be sober and what parting piece of guidance can you give our listeners who are in recovery or thinking about getting sober well for those that are thinking about getting sober if if you are thinking about it then you probably need to for those that are new to recovery just stay with it you know Talk to as many people as as you can in the in the rooms, and put as many tools into your tool bag as possible, yeah. and and just keep working at it. You know, it, it's a grind. It it really is, especially at first. You know, you think 
that life's never going to get better, but it does. And, and the, the life that you chosen in recovery will way outweigh the life that you had before. And last, but certainly not least, give listeners your favorite, you might need to ditch the booze if line. You might need to ditch the booze if you wake up at 5.30 in the morning and you're supposed to be to work at 6. <laughs> sweaty. Sweaty. And, 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 and you don't go to work. You know, yeah. I'm, I, I, don't, I don't know. There's so many. <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, I appreciate you coming in, man. It's been cool chatting with you. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I I appreciate you asking me, you know. uh, I hope to come and visit with you again. Yeah, for sure. And happy birthday, Cordell. Hey, thanks. All right. Recovery Elevator, thanks for listening. And Cordell, thanks for stopping by, dude. It was nice to catch up. Well, Team RE, we're past the first big holiday. Whether you made it through Thanksgiving alcohol-free or things went another direction, I want you to know that I'm proud of you for being here. We all know that this path isn't linear, so great job continuing to invest in yourself. This past week has been interesting for me. I've been binging on feelings for a few days. I'm not only emotionally exhausted, but physically I can feel it too. I don't remember feeling this way in active addiction. Not to say that it didn't happen, but I was usually numbing myself. As soon as an uncomfortable feeling or emotion popped up, I'd sound the alarms and say there's no way that I'm dealing with this. After chugging a case of beer, I'd either stuff my feelings away for another day or I'd piss them out the back door of the garage. I didn't give myself the opportunity to feel anything. Very little was ever processed. I'm changing though, and I don't want to do that anymore. I want to feel things. And if I want to continue to grow and to learn how to cope with life, I need to feel things. That's recovery. Sometimes we got to go through it. For whatever reason, and I'm guilty of this too, sitting in our feelings can get a bad rap. When we get sober, it's like people roll up and say, get ready, pal, this is about to be a doozy. I get it, but also, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not hard. Maybe it's just different, so we think it's hard. I want to encourage you to shift your thinking. You don't have to feel your feelings now. You get to do it. And believe me, I get it. I'm not trying to paint a picture like this is all going to be wonderful that our night sweats while we detox and our cravings are a blessing while we move forward. But does having this choir of this is the hardest shit you'll ever do make it any easier? I don't know. We're all motivated differently. But anyway, my point is that we're finally allowing ourselves to participate as humans. This is what we're meant to do. All these feelings are just that. They're not going to take us down. That's not how they work. They don't have to define us. They don't have to control our actions. They don't have to have any power over us at all. And they sure as hell aren't permanent. We can just chill with them. We can take them in and we can press on with our day. So whether you've got some leftover feels from Thanksgiving or a fresh new batch as we roll into December, I want to reassure you, you can sit with it. It's okay. You're in good company. If it's hard for you, reach out. Let someone know how you're doing. If it's confusing and you don't know what you're feeling, tell somebody that. We don't have to be a master wordsmith to work through this stuff. We just have to be honest. So stick with it, Recovery Elevator, and let us know how it's going. You're the only one who can do this, but you don't have to do it alone. We're in this together. I love you. How do you know this is the experience you need? Because this is the experience you're having at this moment. 
promises to awake.